0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Smarten Up with JP and Fab. In this episode, JP and I are covering holding companies. Specifically, we will outline for you what holding companies are, what they're used for, how they can be used to limit liability for small business owners, how they can be used to give small business owners a tax advantage when you should consider using them, and when you should consider not using them. If you're self-employed or considering self-employment, then this is a great podcast for you because it's going to give you a better understanding of holding companies and why they may be right. All right, so holding companies or hold codes, right? It's a tool we use a lot, I think, in our practice. Uh, But it can get a little bit complicated and we get questions about it all the time from the public, from our clients, from potential clients. Uh, I mean, what do you want to cover? In yeah. Terms of so, I
1: mean, let, let's let's pretty much start with what is a holding company or a
0: hold co? Sure. So, uh, from a technical definition standpoint, and, and you know, just for clarification to anyone who's listening, we're going to be primarily talking about this from an accounting and tax perspective because we're not lawyers, right? So, anytime... Um, we talk about uh, some sort of a legal aspect. Let's take that with a grain of salt because we're not lawyers, right. right? So I'm not here to give legal advice. But what is a holding company or what is a hold co? You know, my definition of a hold co is a company that, or, or like a corporation that holds shares in other corporations or holds passive investments other than, Real estate investments. Okay. So a company that is incorporated for the sole purpose of holding either other private companies, stocks, bonds, traditional portfolios, a life insurance policy, or um, maybe even uh, a private investment like a hedge fund, a private equity fund, or a REIT. Right. Uh, but it does not contract with the public and it does not generate any active business income that's my definition of a holdco
1: that's that's perfect now who 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 owns the holdco
0: the holdco could be owned by an individual a couple a family a family trust another company it kind of almost doesn't matter right it depends on a case-by-case basis uh you know it depends on the, the client it depends on the individual
1: right so right. so we, we we deal at our, our accounting firm we deal with small business right so let's let's go on that topic then right a, a holding right. company is something that kind of sits at, at the top yeah and uh it owns shares of other companies other operating companies yeah and uh the family or the or, or the sole owner owns the hold co which owns everything kind of below that
0: yeah so i wish i had like a, a an ability to like to show it, to yeah. show it, um, you know, maybe we can do that. But if you're just listening, let's visualize this, right? Let's say you're an entrepreneur, right? Uh, you, you run a whatever business making widgets, okay? A holding company will be a company that in a, in the simplest form, you will own 100% of. And that company will own 100% of the underlying company that's actually in the business of manufacturing and selling widgets, Right. The holding company, at least the way that we utilize them, will be an intermediary between you and the operating company, and the holding company will never contract with the public. The right. holding company will never sell anything to the public.
1: Okay, so what what is the purpose of the holding company?
0: Right. So there's a multitude of different purposes for the holding company, um, and, you know, we had, you know, other purposes in the past before the TOSI or the tax on split income rules came into effect. However, the primary purpose of the holding company, at least in our, pro- our practice, the primary purpose is to have an intermediary between the operating company and the individual such that we can take the retained earnings of the underlying company, transfer them legally to the holding company so that they are off-limits to creditors of the operating company.
1: Okay. So we do this for
0: a risk risk purpose. It's primarily for risk purposes. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, we'll go back to the widget company. You're manufacturing and selling widgets using widget co. That is your operating company or your opco. Right. Okay. You've become very successful and you've retained earnings in that company of a million dollars. Okay. That million dollars, should you be sued? Should some sort of creditors make a claim against you? That's at risk. You could lose that, right? How do we mitigate that risk? You know, the first line of defense is make proper widgets. Don't screw up orders, right? (laughs) Do, run your business correctly. The second line of defense is buy insurance. You know insurance, uh, general liability insurance. So that if you do get sued, you can make a claim. The third way to protect yourself is to transfer those retained earnings legally to the holding company such that they are not owned. The, the, the retained earnings gets reduced. Okay? So there's
1: effectively nothing to sue in the operating exactly. company.
0: Exactly. Right? right. And that's a third line of defense. Like you don't want to have to pull that. But at the end of the day, you have to protect yourself.
1: Right. Now, is there, is there any other purpose that you see? Because that's only one I see.
0: Yeah, the only other purpose of a holding company—I mean, there, there, there's multitude of other reasons why you would want a holding company, right? And we can get definitely get into that. Um, but that, uh, that it's for tax purposes, right? Right. So um, in this particular in this particular example, where you had Wichico or operating company that has, let's say, a million dollars of retained earnings, you would want to have a holding company, and then the way that you would get the mechanism by which you would get the money out to the holding company would be. By means of a dividend. Right. Okay. So you send a dividend up to the holding company. Then, if op- the operating company or Widget Co requires money to operate, that can be a loan from the holding company who holds the money back to Widget Co. Right. Right. So, if you can envision this, you would debit cash, credit, loan. Mm-hmm. So there would be still no retained earnings in the corporation. Right. That's how you would be um, theoretically protecting. The, the underlying corporation
1: and you would obviously have to, to to legally protect it you would have to register something
0: that's that's well yeah I mean that's if you want to register the loan that's going to take it the next step right, right? and we could probably like have a lawyer on to talk about the, the the more the more about the details on how to protect yourself right but generally speaking that's my understanding so right? so
1: when I think we've kind of gone over when you use a holding company right. When do you not use a holding company? And like, what are some examples that you see? Cause I know a couple.
0: Well, but I haven't covered all of the things I wanted to cover on okay. when you would use a holding company, yep. right? Because we're accountants and, you know, financial planners. Mm-hmm. So our, our job is to, you know, legally utilize the rules, um, that may be at the time, uh, to provide a benefit to the client. Right. Right. So yes, the, the primary reason in my opinion is risk mitigation. But there's a secondary reason to utilize a holding company. And that's if you want to invest in other companies, or invest in, let's say, real estate. And we'll cover cover this structure more, the real estate structure specifically on the Real Estate Podcast, the Real Estate Holding Company Podcast. But if you want to make investments with the retained earnings of your company, um, you know, for retirement purposes, or you just want to expand, a holding company is actually very useful. The reason that it's very useful is because you can take the retained earnings, segregate them out of your operating company into the holding company, right? And you can segregate them without triggering any additional tax. Right. So at the moment, you're paying tax of 12.2% on the first $500,000 of inc- of uh, profits in of active business uh, profits in Ontario, right? Right. We can take those profits, send them to a holding company, then reinvest in a multitude of th- additional subsidiary companies. Right. Maybe you want to buy twenty percent of your buddy's company. Maybe you want to invest in you know some uh, your one of your um, suppliers, so on and so forth. You can recycle that money as an investment. Without ever having to pull it out and pay personal tax, right, right,
1: and, and and I guess you technically could, I could make loans to other companies, and I can yeah. invest. And yeah. If I had an operate your widget your widget operating company, yeah. could technically own shares of other companies. Yes. But then again, but your then those
0: the, then that those investments are that are sitting on Widget Co. are at risk of loss. Exactly. In, to a creditor. Okay. Right. So there's. There's that, and then there's also the organizational um, component of it, where you know you have some of these entrepreneurs that have their hand in five, ten different things. The holding company is sort of the central, the central organizational uh, entity. That makes all these investments, yeah. and you can, if you wanted to, consolidate all the way up to the top from a visual perspective for the client or for the entrepreneur. Right. So it's right? it's
1: it's the central bank as well, technically.
0: Exactly, it can operate as a central bank, um, not central bank like uh, what well, we we don't mean central I, bank <laughs> like, but it can operate as the bank, let's say, yep. for the entrepreneur to make um, investments into multiple different uh, into multiple different areas, right? While uh, whilst segregating. The risks for all the underlying companies away from okay. each other.
1: So yes, so yes, a holding company money flows up after retained earnings. Yeah, uh, goes up to the holding company. Yeah, and then we can loan down to uh, other companies that the holding company creates. Right. Um. But you you do have the alternative, which which we talked to some of our clients about as well, um, of creating a sister company. So yeah. you know, it, it, it all. Dep- I think it all depends on the risk of the actual operating company. So, yeah. you know, a consultant that's never going to get sued, you know, there's yeah. a good chance that that person won't go and create the holding company.
0: Well, They'll there's, just yeah, do yeah, over. yeah, 100%. So um, there's a couple different things. Everyone thinks they're not going to get sued because they haven't been sued. It's one of yeah. those things that it's not never going to happen to me, but it's probably, you know, you should operate in my opinion, as though it is going to happen 100% right okay um, the other thing is you know I guess we're getting on to when you wouldn't
1: when when wouldn't you
0: yeah well a if there's a legal uh, a legal restriction so for example okay. chartered accountants chartered professional accountants um, physicians dentists you know uh, most professional corporations are limited in their shareholders right the the college of physicians and surgeons for example uh implemented rules such that you cannot have indirect ownership right. of your shares other than a family trust right the you know cpa ontario our regulator mm-hmm. will only allow cpas to directly own shares of our professional corporations right we don't even have the option for right. a holding company
1: and and even if we did i don't think it would matter because we're sued through our companies also for for
0: professional negligence. And that's a distinction that um, a lot of people don't understand, right? Right. So let's say, um, for example, and take this with a grain of salt because I'm not a lawyer. Let's say you are operating an accounting firm, Mm -hmm. okay, or a legal practice via a professional corporation, okay, slip and fall, um, other types of legal liabilities, I believe are limited in the same manner as a traditional corporation. But if you screw up as a lawyer, you screw up as a doctor, you screw up as a, an accountant, there's professional liability looks through the corporation to the individual, Right. okay? So from that particular perspective, um, I believe lawyers are allowed to have a holding company. Mm-hmm. It may still be worth it for other forms of liability, perhaps, I've never seen it, no, I've never seen it. Yeah. it. It may still be worth it, and this is when you consult with a, a, a proper lawyer, right? right. But let's say, for example, you're in a regulated industry where you're not allowed to have a holding company. That's one reason why you just wouldn't have a holding company. Or you're in an industry where you feel that you will not be sued or you will not have um, any legal liability uh, risks, for example, for whatever reason, or you feel I'm adequately insured, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, And you don't want the extra costs of a holding company because that's incorporation fees, additional annual legal fees for minute book updates, additional annual fees for tax filings, and then just additional headaches to prepare financial statements and file another company. If you don't want those headaches, you can use something called let's say a sister company, right? Where you can say, all right, look, I want to invest in real estate, for example, um, or whatever it is, but I don't want to mix the real estate with my company. Okay, or I want to go fifty-fifty with someone else in that particular company. Your operating company, Widget Co., can simply make an intercompany loan to that other company, and right. that doesn't trigger any tax. Exactly. Right. So you still get the benefits of the tax deferral um, without having to have an intermediary company uh, incorporated and any complexities with the holding company.
1: So, so you wouldn't use a hold code when technically you can't. Um, yeah. And and what about we, we talked about retained earnings. Well, what about um, someone that doesn't have retained earnings? What about someone that's constantly using the money? Uh,
0: then it, then it I see no sense. purpose for the holding company, right? What right?
1: about What about a real estate holding company Would that? Would you put a holding company on top of a real estate company?
0: That's a tough one, right? Because it's case by case. It depends on what the real estate is. If it's just real estate that is going to be um, treated as investment income, mm-hmm. then I I don't see the point from a tax perspective of, of having a holding company because you're going to primarily take a dividend for the most part. In okay. most cases, you're going to take a dividend for all the all the profits of that company anyways, because you're going to want to avoid um, the, high, the tax. high tax in the corporation that you would be charged because of, of the passive, you know, it's it's passive income, right? right? So it's a different tax rate. We can get into that detail later, but uh, and then you can't. Uh, I don't believe you can create negative retained earnings. And most of the um, most of the increase in value from a real estate holding company is going to be from capital appreciation that has not been realized,
1: right? And principal paydown but those are both trapped in the property itself. Yeah, so principal pay down will really
0: be profit, right? Which would be a dividend out to the individual anyways. So we would get rid of those retained earnings. Okay. So mathematically speaking, there's not much in retained earnings. Uh, And and this is something that maybe we could ask, we could get a a really good uh, corporate lawyer on with, but uh, I don't see, I'm not seeing a, a, a reason
1: yeah, from my perspective, for, I mean, there, you you don't use it for that purpose for right. when it comes to real estate. Yeah, um, you kind of use it for risk protection. Right, and, and that's I mean, you incorporate yourself to begin with because yeah. of because of risk. Secondary is always tax.
0: Well, well, I know. I, I mean, in in certain cases, I'll give you an example. Let's say you are um, a relatively wealthy family or relatively <clears throat> wealthy individual, right? And you're like, listen, I want to make investments in a bunch of different, uh, real estate projects or, um, rental properties, but I want to do it with other individuals, right? You have a holding company as your form of organization, right? Which would invest in other subsidiary companies that you buy 20% of 50% of so on and so forth. And those companies would go, one would do commercial property, one would do residential property, one would do so, whatever it is. Yep. And then they would calculate their profits. Mm-hmm. send a dividend up to your company and you're free to decide how you want to distribute those dividends on your own. So from an organizational standpoint, it could be good okay. to utilize it. But I think it's more of a case by case basis. So right?
1: here's, a, here's a question. I'm, I, this is one that we do a lot of. Uh, can you introduce a holding company five years after you've started an operating company only?
0: Yeah, you can do it a hundred years after. Right. You can introduce a holding company whenever you want but understand that the transfer of shares of an underlying company you know is is considered um an actual taxable event mm-hmm. there's there's an actual disposition from you know I'll give you an example so let's say you have widget co again million dollars of retained earnings yep. and let's say just for simplicity there's no goodwill in that company so you started widget co with Hundred dollars, and then you built up retained earnings of a million dollars. Widget Co is now worth a million dollars in your hands because you personally own the shares of that company. Right, right. There's a conveyance from you to the holding company. If you want to transfer the shares of Widget Co to your holding company to have an intermediary in between it, why? Because you and the new newly incorporated holding company are separate legal entities for tax purposes. You, you are individual tax taxpayers. So you're actually triggering a million dollar capital gain by transferring your shares to the holding company. So
1: how do we avoid that?
0: So you avoid that by doing a section 85 rollover, right. where you in, instead of taking money or a note like a loan, a shareholder loan, for the increase in value in the company from Hold Co, You transfer your shares to HoldCo of WidgetCo in exchange for shares of HoldCo. All right. So it's a little bit more complicated than that. But if you are taking compensation from HoldCo in the form of shares rather than in the form of cash or debt and you make a joint election under Section 85 of the Income Tax Act, Mm -hmm. you're clean you get to defer the tax payable until you actually make a sale to a third party or until you actually want to trigger a gain for whatever purposes.
1: And then who 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 does the the rollover?
0: It's a joint thing between if done properly, it's joint between the accountants that, you know, value the company, make the steps memo and file the file the forms with the CRA and the lawyers who actually make the minute book updates, the director's resolutions, and the share purchase agreement. Okay. Between the individual and the holding company. Okay. So it's a dual it's how, a it requires two. People.
1: How many how many of these do we do a year? One a week. Okay. So this is a pretty common yeah. thing. Okay. It's pretty common. Um let's talk about hold calls and, and how they're taxed.
0: Right. So they're taxed like any other corporation. Right. Right? So um, you know, corporations in Canada for the purposes of our discussion yep all right for the purposes of our discussion are taxed either um, as active businesses okay uh, generating active business income or specified investment businesses that are just generating
1: rents royalties and interest
0: rents royalties interests dividends, you know, passive types of income. Right. Okay. And we're not going to get into the detail of blending the two in one company or personal service corporations or, you know, passive income that could be deemed active because mm-hmm. it's ancillary. So let's just say very nice and simple. You're either running an active business or you're running some sort of an investment business. Right. Okay. Let's go with holdco's being investment businesses only. Okay. So how are they taxed under this very simple example? They're taxed different from uh, active businesses. Okay. So for our purposes, and most of our clients, and most of the people that are going to be interested in this podcast, an active business in Ontario, if run through a corporation, is taxed at a rate of twelve point two percent on the first five hundred thousand dollars per year per fiscal year of profits. And then it jumps. Subsequent what? to that. Anything above that is 26.5%, okay. right? We're not talking about shred credits. We're not talking about manufacturing or just very nice and simple, okay? Mm-hmm. You you make sell widgets or you just sell widgets as a wholesaler, let's say. First 500000 12.2%, thereafter, 26.5%, okay, in Ontario. Um, the holding company is taxed dependent upon what type of income, it receives, right? okay? So if it receives taxable investment income, it's taxed at a rate of, let's call it 50% or whatever, right? And just to make it nice and simple, 20% is corporate tax, 30% is refundable dividend tax on hand, which is a type of withholding tax Mm -hmm. that the government takes and holds uh, on your behalf in their their own uh, pocket, until you take a dividend out to yourself okay or out to a taxable entity and then it refunds it back to the corporation all right so we want to think about this from a policy perspective right people are going to be thinking well i don't understand this why are there two different tax rates one for active business and one for investment uh, investment income right right and from a policy perspective it makes a lot of sense The government's saying hey listen you know the preferred way that we want you to operate your business is through a corporation because it it shows that you're a business not an individual and it allow it allows you to protect yourself as the business owner in the form of limited liability for certain things okay okay so therefore we um we we from that particular perspective we want you to have a corporation or we encourage corporations so we're going to then look at the next level of policy. The government wants people working. The government wants people employed. So the policy is, hey, if you're running an active business, you're going to be employing at least one person yourself, Right. maybe more people. We're going to allow you to retain more money in that corporation by taxing you at a lower rate because we want you to be able to reinvest that money into expanding your business, creating economic expansion, and creating jobs for Canadians. That's the policy. Right. Right? This is very different from, okay, I'm rich. I have $150 million to my name. Right. So, therefore, the corporation has a lower tax rate than myself. So, the top tax rate in Ontario is, I believe, 53.53%. Okay? So, I'm going to take advantage of the corporate tax rates, and I'm going to incorporate a company, transfer my 150 million to that company, and then invest and pay tax at 12.2 percent or 26 and a half percent. I'm going to pay tax at a way lower rate right. than I would if I were investing myself. The government's saying, from a policy perspective, no, 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 no. Although we already give you preferential treatment on capital gains on Canadian dividends from a tax perspective, because we want you to have to make those types of investments, it it spurs the economy, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not going to let you double dip here. We're not going to let you, you know, you're not creating direct jobs by, by, you know, putting your stock portfolio into a corporation. Right. So we're going to mimic the highest tax bracket that you would be paying so that you are indifferent From a tax perspective, whether you you invest from a corporation, a partnership, a trust, or individually. Right. Okay. It's it's a concept called integration, right? Yep. They want it, they want you to be indifferent. They want you to make a business decision, not a tax decision on how you hold your investments. So
1: so we're looking at the highest tax rate for passive investments, which is approximately. Yeah, approximately. It's it's
0: it's never perfect, but because there's different tax rates for every province. And then there's different, t- you know, the federal, the provincial. It, it's not perfect, right? And I believe at the moment there's actually a bleed um, on uh, in Ontario at the highest tax bracket, up to upwards of four percent. I can all in the show notes. I'll, I'll put some more details in right. the show notes, so you can go to our our website. I'll probably put a an, an couple different org charts and some tax uh, some tax tables if you want to get specific. But there's actually a bleed. Um, at the highest tax rate in Ontario, personally, if you hold your investments in a corporation, okay, I think it could and this be up reverses. to four percent.
1: This kind of reverses every couple of years.
0: It depends. It depends. It depends right? what the person. Back tax in the day, there is. was there was overintegration, exactly. Right from active business income, so we would right. be able to give our clients large dividends, yep, out of their active business and actually save tax, exactly. Right then over time it gets eliminated and it's different province by province because of the provincial tax rates. Right. Right. And you know, it always changes, but it's, it's a moving target. That's why um, owner manager remuneration strategies are something that we make sure we're looking at at every year end. Right. Right. Do we give a bonus? Do we give a dividend? How do we, how do we pay our, our owner managers? And that's, that's something that we have to do every single year, but back to the, the topic at hand from a holding company perspective, how are they taxed? If it's non-active uh, income,, yep. which is what our assumption is, uh, it's taxed at, uh, you know, the essentially highest uh, the highest tax the highest tax bracket, right right? If you're receiving um, dividends, mm-hmm. dividends from one Canadian corporation to another are not considered taxable.
1: So that that would mean that the 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 holding company that owns, the subsidiary company below them. Yes. The subsidiary company pays its tax. Yeah. And then it can transfer a dividend up to the holding company. Yes. And then that is tax-free in the holding company.
0: Yeah. But it could also be from any company, any Canadian right. company, okay. right? You buy, you know, a a Canadian stock right. that pays Canadian dividends. It's technically tax-free, but could still trigger a withholding tax and okay. build up your refundable dividend tax on hand. Yep. Right? And that that the reason um, for that uh, is the concept of a connected corporation. If you have a connected corporation as your underlying company, mm-hmm. and the definition of connected corporation is, you know, for for simplicity's sake, is more than ten percent of the votes and value of the underlying company, then there's no um, withholding tax. If you're getting a, t- a a dividend from a non-connected corporation, there's going to be the withholding tax. Okay. Okay. And once again, from the policy perspective of the government, they don't want you buying one percent of five thousand companies, getting five hundred thousand dollars a year of dividends and paying no tax. They're, they're going to take withholding tax because you're not connected to that other company. But if you are connected, you know you own one hundred percent of the shares of the underlying company, then the dividend from one to the other is not really. There's no change in. You're not changing the money. The money isn't changing hands. It's going from one person to the other. Which is the same person. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, are you good with the, like,
1: have we covered how they're taxed?
0: Yeah, because I don't want to really get into, like, super detail here because n- nobody's going to be. Cal- I think we did. Yeah, nobody's going to be calculating the tax, right? Yeah. The accountant is. So,
1: so we, we, we like holding companies. We know kind of the benefits of them. Yep. Um, what are some of the drawbacks?
0: Well, you've got to file another tax return every year. You've yeah. got to fi- file financial statements every year. You have to have another bank account. You have to do technically minute book updates every year. Right. Right. You know, there's, there's another company. So it's a hassle. It's an administrative hassle for some people. So there's the, there's administrative, the administrative hassle. The, the there's cost. the costs, yeah. right? What,
1: what about the capital? What about the capital gains exemption?
0: Then, then there's the technically the law, lo- the, the loss. You could lose the, the lifetime capital gains exemption. Right. Right. So, you know, um, I'm going to have to get into a bit of detail here, but if you sell the shares of a private company, to someone else, all right. You can theoretically um, get a tax-free capital gain. I can't remember the, the exact right now. It's eight hundred fifty grand, whatever like it is. That. Right, you you can get a tax-free capital gain. Right. Okay. And this uh, the reason I say this is theoretical is because it's part of the negotiation point for the buyer and the seller. Anyways, it never works out. Right. In in complete benefit to the seller. Right, because the buyer knows the seller is getting a benefit, and they lose, let's say, the tax shield. Right, right, the CCA tax shield or whatever it is. Um, but theoretically, you are going to sell the shares of your company, all right, uh, and realize eight hundred some odd thousand dollars of gain tax free. Right. Okay, that is if the company qualifies. Right. So the company, in order for it to qualify will have to pretty much have most of its assets in use for the business in Canada, right? okay? So if you've, let's go to widget company, right? Build up this widget company and there's a million dollars in the bank, all right? Sitting there doing nothing and the company is worth a million dollars. Well, you're probably not gonna qualify for the tax-free sale because the vast majority of the assets in the company are inactive; they're exactly. not utilized in the business, right? Um, in that simple example, right? Having a holding company is, you know, tax neutral. Yep. Because you know you, you've lost you've lost that uh, you've Couple lost that ability. Anyways. Now let's change it. Let's say that the company has goodwill or is actually worth whatever half a million dollars, okay. but you have a million dollars sitting in the bank account doing nothing. That's a redundant asset, mm-hmm. right? That million dollars is going to p- still put you offside, let's say, in a simple example, because it trumps the value of the business, right? Right. So if your goal was to, to, take, the, to take the tax-free sale, then presumably over time you should have taken a dividend or a bonus out over time as you accumulated those those retained earnings such that all you have in the bank account of the company is a couple bucks to run operations and the company itself is basically worth its goodwill, half a million to bucks. Then you can make the sale. Okay? Right. So when you're utilizing a holding company, what we're often doing is we're, we're utilizing the holding company for retained earning purposes to save for the entrepreneur's future. Retirement. Retirement, yeah. right? So we we earn income, right? Pay tax at the very low rate, dividend up to the holding company, and then buy stocks, bonds, life insurance uh, policies, real estate, whatever it is that the, the client wants to invest in. Yep. And they save for retirement because they get a nice tax deferral. Okay? And we're not going to get into, you know, the new tax rates if you exceed $50,000 of... I know, and yeah. that, That's just beyond the scope of this but the strategy is pay tax at a low rate dividend up to the holding company and then invest for the future right Mm -hmm. but that unfortunately can put you offside on the tax-free sale of your business now there are ways to implement a trust and estate freezes and so on and so forth super high level yeah but that's way beyond the scope of this right so in this simplistic um, scenario that is a drawback of a holding company right? right So you get the tax deferral on the retained earnings, but you lose the tax-free sale of your business down the road. Right. Right. So you don't you don't get the best of both worlds in this simple example.
1: Okay. okay. So I mean, you pretty much just went through the recap there. Uh, when setting up a company, the holding company can be used uh, for risk protection. Yep. In a lot of cases, operating company pays its tax transfers the money up which is technically the retained earnings after yeah. tax transfers up to the holding company the holding company's purpose is risk and centralizing um the family objectives uh investing yeah. having, a what
0: central, it, having a central having uh, a central entity yeah
1: and if they want to go if you're investing in the stock market something like that where you're not going to get sued all that stays within the holding company if you're going to go and create other operating companies or real estate companies then you create them down below on the side and that money gets transferred or ownership gets registered that way
0: yeah Um, i mean that's from from a simplistic standpoint obviously case by case it's going to be different but very simply it's the whole exactly what you said the holding company holds stores the value of its underlying operating company such that the entrepreneur can go out and make additional investments in other entities or other investment vehicles. And then there's a crap ton of details that we get into on a case by case basis for everybody. But that is essentially the use, the primary use of a holding company for small business owners. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, holding companies, I hope that was informative. Of course, like any uh, topic that we cover on this podcast, you are free to contact us at info at cmllp.com for more clarification on the topic or for any general questions. Thanks a lot and see you on the next episode.